Welcome back again. Big feels at work. Today's topic, why bother? <laughs> why do we do this work, especially when it hurts? Yeah. Gareth? First response to the question, why bother, is don't. If you don't want to, don't bother. <laughs> like, totally allowed to go do something else. Never come back. Do come back. I love, full permission. I love the implied simplicity of that as someone who I happen to know has quit mental health multiple times, <laughs> including, as you mentioned earlier, a very public open letter saying why you'd never work in mental health again <laughs> last year, followed by working in mental health again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so both of us are, are, are serial quitters. <laughs> and um, yeah, and I think it's really important that we we continue to know that this is a choice. Yeah. I think that's true of any job. What's funny though is that w- w- when we started this in the, our opening episode, I talked about choosing to work in mental health and you pulled me up and said, no, nah, it's not a choice. So I'm curious about that because we talked a bit about feeling like you drift into it, feeling like you're kind of pulled into it, almost like it's a calling. Yeah. But on the other hand, choosing to stay. Is that yeah. kind of what you mean? So like it's not a choice to get into it in some ways. Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 yeah, it's both a choice and it and it isn't because <laughs> the reasons we do it are much bigger than why we do it. If that makes any sense. I I often fantasize about, you know, my colleagues who seem to work not colleagues, friends who seem to work in jobs that, that don't ask anything particularly deep and personal of them. Yeah. They you know that looks okay from a distance sometimes. Yeah, so by all means, go give it a try. <laughs> My hunch is for most of us, we end up back somewhere near this space. Well, certainly you and I do. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And for me, so this is why the reason we do it is bigger than the why. Okay. Like we might have a why. So at the moment we're doing big fields of work because a great opportunity came up for us to feel like we're making a contribution to our peers and our colleagues through this 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 project yeah but it's it's not the reason that we do this work yeah it's the current why yeah and i think so often i know for myself you know i see every single opportunity in front of me is like ah this is how i'm going to change the mental health system for good through this project or this role Mm. and you know you might get some traction you might get lucky it might have some impact but you've got decades of this, mm. you know, so staying connected to, you know, what I would consider the heart and soul of why you do this mm. is different from finding a, you know, a job that allows you to sort of do 60% of what you think is important or a project that, you know, might be short lived and show promise, but doesn't really go anywhere. So to me, what I'm hearing there is this kind of, there's like an intellectual level. Yep. Say when I was a peer worker, I wanted to be a peer worker because that's what had helped me was finding others going through the same stuff. So I wanted to give that back, but that's kind of an intellectualizing of it. And then there's this gut level thing of, well, I just, when I get in a room with someone and we lock eyes and we, we have that shared connection, there's something about that that keeps me coming back. Is that kind of what you, what you mean? Yeah. Yeah. And maybe even broader, you know, it, it kind of has that feeling of, of being like a calling. Yep. Um, because even when I quit, which, you know, I've done pretty much every year since I've been in it, mm. 
I do always end up back in back in this space in some sort of way. Mm. You know, of, of wanting to you know make a contribution, wanting to be on the journey of, and it's funny because it's not just well being for me. Like when I come to Australia, I have to kind of temper myself a little bit because because. <laughs> There's a fetish in this country for health and well-being. <laughs> and I'm all for it. If you want to be healthy and you want a sense of well-being, every single option should be available to you. As soon as you put up that little light that says, help me, the world should just come rushing to your aid with every single thing that could possibly be of use. Yeah. But if you don't, you should still have a really beautiful, rich, rewarding life. And I think we forget that. What do you mean? So like, if, if you're not on the self-improvement track? Yeah, like maybe if I don't want to change, yeah. maybe the world around me should change so I could still feel good about who <laughs> I am. You know, and that, that, that bit of the conversation, it, it's definitely weaker in New Zealand than it was. It seems almost non-existent here. You have to go look for it amongst all this like... Let's be healthy and well forever, you know? So let me try and unpack that a little from, from what I'm taking. So I've thought about how the help, different services, they fall on the spectrum. You and I have talked about this before, the way that it's kind of a spectrum from, at one end of the spectrum is the change-focused mm. supports. So supports and treatments that are about changing you. And then the other end is acceptance stuff. That's mostly about, Hey, first of all, let's accept where you are now. So at the change end, the extreme end of change, you have say psych meds, the whole yeah. idea we can change your biochemistry and that'll, that'll make you happier. Yeah. yeah. Uh, somewhere in the middle, uh, the technical therapies, CBT, DBT, which is sort of a mixture of, can we change you and can we also help you accept? Yeah. And then right at the acceptance end, I would say until recently there was really only the kind of out, outside the system stuff like mindfulness and meditation retreats and that kind of stuff, yeah. which sort of start with accepting what is. But I would say peer support is kind of sneaking in there as well in the system. It's kind of the one bit of the system that is um, saying, hey, we're not going to try and fix you. Yeah. Now, when I say peer support, I mean that broadly because I think you can bring that attitude into any role. Maybe not, maybe, you know, the really kind of pointy end of the system, it's harder and harder, but the idea that you could have a, an attitude towards your own pain and someone else's pain that, that starts with, it's okay that this is here, yeah. um, is not specific to peer support. But is that kind of what you're getting at? That like we, we seem to be particularly focused on the change end? Yeah, and, and all of that is about me as an individual. Yeah. None of that is about, you know, my family and friends who might be assholes <laughs> or my employer who discriminates against me because, you know, I need some reasonable accommodations or, you know, a whole, a whole myriad of things of the way society responds to my situation. Yeah. So, so the reason that I bring that in mm -hmm. is, you know, there's a lot to go out there for me. Mm. So the way I've sustained myself beyond my annual tantrums of that's it, fuck this, I'm not doing this shit anymore, which are really nice and cathartic. Oh, you know, and dude. Feel incredibly blessed that I get to do that. The last resignation lady wrote was a thing of beauty. <laughs> 
But the reason I bring it in is because that's where my heart and soul is. So that's it, that's my. When you say that's weird. You mean the the acceptance in? Well, all of it, all of the above, health, well-being, social inclusion, non-discrimination, ah, human rights. Like, like this I'm, is I, your bag. Yeah. So I've worked like hard. To, yeah. So I've worked hard to sort of, sort of define that as best as I can, hmm. so that I'm really cognizant when I go into any particular role, which bit of that I'm trying to leverage through. What do you mean? So, for example, you know, so I do, I do one-to-one coaching and supervision. Yeah. Now, clearly, I'm not going to change society directly through that particular engagement. Yeah. But I can do some of that health, well-being, self-acceptance, that, that part of the work that's important to me. Yeah. However, when I go and do consulting gigs for big organizations, then I'm like, okay, you guys need to change your shit. This is wrong, you know? So I'll, I'll find another part of the thing that's important to me. And I think one of the challenges we've got is, you know, you've only got the role that's in front of you. You know, and I've been really uh, lucky and really grateful that I've managed to find a way to do different roles at the same time. But just knowing that, you, you know, you're not just your job. Yep. That's just what you're doing right now yep. as the best thing you can do. Yes, and I think... I think there can be a real frustration when you've been through the stuff yourself and you can see all the ways the system is limited. Yeah. You wish you could change it all at once. And yet the thing that's in front of you sometimes is simply to, to plow the little patch of earth Definitely. that's right there. And, and sometimes to see the fruits of that labor and sometimes not. Sometimes to never know the ripples that you dropped in the pond. <laughs> oh, for sure. Yeah. For sure, because knowing that it, it is part of this bigger thing, yeah, you know, it's like you know, I guess, I guess an analogy is, you know, we, uh, most of us are trying to do the best we can, you know, to to preserve and save our climate and the ecology, yeah, and we know, we know that our efforts are minuscule, yeah, but we sort of tap into this sense of, oh, well, if I sort of recycle and compost and try not to use single-use plastics then i'm part of something that's bigger than me reminds me of there's a there's a beautiful quote i forget who it's by but jack cornfield quotes it yeah often he talks about as an activist what you ultimately have to get comfortable with is the fact that you may never know whether anything you did helped and that it may in fact have brought about the opposite yeah. of what you wanted yeah. the reason you do it the reason you commit to a cause isn't ultimately about the outcome because you're just one human it's the fact that you are someone who 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 does that yeah it's part of who you are and how you live yeah i want to touch there on what strikes me about this this rhythm that both of us have had of like getting really excited about certain roles in this work and then getting sick of it and having a tantrum and wanting to quit i think what's interesting to me is that it's the same energy that's bringing you in and making you want to leave so for me, I talk, I've talked in a previous episode about this anger I have, mm. this anger about why the system is how it is. And it's that same anger that makes me want to work in it and change things that then at a certain point makes me so angry <laughs> I want to get away from it. And that, that kind of makes sense. That rhythm kind of mm. makes sense there. Um, it, it, it feels like failure in the moment when you're just burnt out and sick of it and done and you don't care anymore. It feels like a kind of failure, but it's actually just a different expression of the same 
energy that brought you there in the first place. Definitely. Definitely. So it's a, it's a little reminder of, 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 of what it is you're trying to achieve through your work. And remembering that it is just your work. Yeah. Because, you know, we spoke in a different uh, episode, you know, there's a thing we do. There's the, there's the time when we put on the work clothes and go and do a job. But then there's us more generally trying to use what we've got to be useful. Yeah, it can be hard to hold that in a society like ours where, where work is such a primary aspect of, of your identity. It's a tricky one. It, it is, but I think honouring, you know, like if we take it way back, take it way, <laughs> way back, like let's go right back to, you know, pre-civilization times. Yeah. The sensitive people like us would have had a fully legitimate role within our tribe, within the society we lived in. Hmm. And all the things that we're told are weaknesses and deficits that need to be resolved would have been assets and huge contributions. Yeah. Just as much as the, the person with great muscles who could, you know, wrangle animals or pull down trees or whatever for shelters, our sensitivity would have been valued and included. Yeah. And, you know, although we don't live in that time, we can still sort of self-legitimize that this is actually really important for society, even if we're told it's not. Yeah, I think that a really key way of nurturing that view is connecting with others who who go through this stuff. Definitely. Um, particularly if you can find fellow mental health professionals dealing with their own stuff. I'd, I'd go further. Go on. And make it your job to find them. <laughs> okay, so because of the way things are structured, you know, my, my partner's a nurse. So when she goes to work, she sits with other nurses. She's a mental health nurse. Yep. And what they do is spend most of their day talking about how to do mental health nursing. Yeah. You know, she's got a client that's um, got challenges for her. She'll go next door and speak to another nurse. And they'll basically just navigate the whole profession of nursing mm. five days a week. Mm. We, don't, we don't do that. We tend to sit in isolated spaces on our own. So... Now, to be clear when you say that, because so, some listening to this will be nurses, but what you mean is that they, they may have the nursing peer support. Yeah. They talk to other nurses. Collegiality, yeah. Collegiality, but they yeah. don't necessarily have other nurses with big feelings. Exactly. To unpack, because it's almost like a second job. It's like you've got your first job, which is whatever <laughs> role you've got, and then the second job, which is dealing with the incredibly productive tension of having a foot in both camps. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly what, yeah. 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 And, and similar parallels culturally in New Zealand where, where I live, you know, Māori who work in, in, in this way will talk about walking in two worlds. Yes. So they'll go and do a job because that's what's on the job description and what they get paid to do. Yeah. But they also know they've got, you know, a, an intent, a co-papa mm -hmm. is, is, you know, they won't say it in this Coronation Street accent, but Copapa is, <laughs> is the word. It's like, this is my sort of standpoint, my philosophy for what I'm doing. Yeah. And so I would say because, you know, it's not fair, you know, and we should do everything we can to challenge the unfairness of it. But while it's not fair, we do have opportunities to go out and seek out the tribe that's going to make us, sustain us, 
help us to be the rounded professional that we want to be yeah particularly if you if you're choosing to stay if you're choosing to stay in this work yeah finding that i think it's, it can be one person like for me it was finding you yeah so so our professional relationship began where i was lucky enough to have opportunity to go find an external supervisor and I managed to find you. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that's one potential avenue, but not everyone will have that available. So, yeah, finding other ways to, if you can just find that one person who's walking that same kind of in-two-worlds path that you are. Yeah, yeah. And, and find those opportunities. You know, I think supervision is, a, is quite a fraught thing at the moment. It seems to have lost the support for it. So, you know, I know we're like when we when we do symposium or conference or, or gatherings of any kind, you know, particularly if you've been one of the people up the front speaking, like you come off and everyone's just like, oh, that's just what I needed. <laughs> and it's not because we're particularly profound or amazing. It's just like any anything, any port in a storm, any solace you can find, yeah. seek it out. And, you know, and it might be online, it might be in supervision, it might be in conference. Yeah. I guess I guess what I'm saying is seek it, yeah. Because it's not there for us. Yes, it's not a provision. Yeah. It's very rare that we get that sense of collegiality. So if and we have to manufacture it, by all means do. And your managers and colleagues won't see that as a gap. Oh, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So you do have to find it. In the meantime, it may be simply listening to our dulcet tones, <laughs> knowing that there are a bunch of others out there listening. All right. Well, we might leave today's topic there. Cool. Hey, so one last word from me. We've just had word that we've secured funding for Big Feels at Work to continue beyond this five-episode run. Woohoo! Thanks to Victoria's DHHS, who funded the initial series as well. What that means is you'll be getting more of these episodes, and we want your help making them. One thing we're very aware of is that you guys are not the average audience. You have all kinds of wisdom and knowledge from your own lives and work that you're bringing to this table. And we would love for you to be able to hear from one another. We're going to experiment with a few different ways to do that over the next two or three months. But here's what we're starting with. We want to do an episode about the pandemic lockdown. Specifically, what's harder about your work right now? What's different? And what are you finding helpful to look after yourself at this strange time? We want to hear your answers to those questions. And I mean that literally. We want to hear your voices. And we want to feature them in this upcoming episode for your fellow professional feelers to hear. So those questions I just mentioned are in the email for this week's episode, episode four along with some simple instructions for how to record your question and send it in to us using just your phone. We reckon sensitive cats are going to stick together, especially at a time like this. So, will you help us reach across the social distancing divide? When you record your answer, you can tell us your name and your role if you want to, or you can be anonymous, or you can make up a mysterious pseudonym. You'll have about a week to do this, but the sooner the better. It'll probably take you about 10 minutes max. And like I said, we think it'll be a really good way to share some of the impressive, messy life wisdom you guys are all bringing to this table. 
Okay, that's really it for now. You'll hear us next week.